City First Church. We're so glad that each and every one of you are with us today. And today we're continuing our series that we've been calling Summer of Soul. And the last few weeks have been so helpful. If you've missed any of them, go back and check them out. But today I want to start off with a question. And the question is, how many people grew up in the great decade of the 90s? Okay, I grew up in the 90s. I think it was one of the best eras. And maybe you didn't grow up in the 90s, but maybe you remember the 90s or you've seen some things about it. It was a special era. And there were some things that were very popular. Maybe you remember things like Beanie Babies. Remember the Beanie Babies? Some of you still have them, right? There were famous TV shows, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Saved by the Bell. How about the 90s boy bands, right? We had NSYNC, Backstreet Boys. There was something called the Game Boy, which was a big deal in the 90s. How about AOL? Okay, maybe you remember. When my kids complain about internet speed, I'm like, you don't even know. We had dial-up internet, right? There are things like Ninja Turtles, Windows 95, and you can't talk about the 90s without talking about Michael Jordan, the GOAT, right? Yes, Michael Jordan's getting a round of applause as he should. Well, if you grew up in the 90s in a Christian household, there was something else that was very popular in the 90s. It was a book called Chicken Soup for the Soul. Maybe you remember Chicken Soup for the Soul. There were so many different variations of this book. There's Chicken Soup for the Soul, Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul, Chicken Soup for the Mother Soul. There was Chicken Soup for the Sports Fan Soul, Chicken Soup for the Soul Love Stories Edition. And I'm not even making this up. Chicken Soup for the Soul Life Lessons from the Cat. Okay, it got weird, right? But back in the day when these sold, there was over 500 million copies sold of chicken soup for the soul. And I think part of the reason that these were so popular is because chicken soup is associated with comfort, right? It's a comforting food. It's warm. It's soothing. It's supposed to make you feel better. And so the idea is that these books would offer you comfort, but for your soul. And let's be honest, we all like comfort, right? We like comfort food. We like comfy, stretchy pants. We like comfortable furniture, comfortable pillows. We like to be around people that we feel comfortable with. During COVID, it was hard for a lot of reasons, but on top of everything, it was also difficult because a lot of our comfort zones were disrupted or even obliterated. You couldn't see people who are normally in your comfort zone. You couldn't go to the movies that often offer comfort. You couldn't go out to eat at your favorite restaurant that had your favorite comfort food. And now that, praise God, we're on the other side of a lot of the COVID shutdown things, maybe you find yourself trying to make up for lost time in the area of comfort. Maybe you're thinking about and longing for the things that make you comfortable. And today, I wanna remind us that even though it can be tempting to try to live a comfortable life and live within our comfort zones, great things never come from staying in our comfort zones. And I know you might be thinking, but Lisa, 
I like to be comfortable, and I get it. I like to be comfortable too. Maybe you're in here and you're like a Bible scholar, and you're like, but there's a verse in the Bible that says that God is our great comforter. So take that about comfort zones. And God is our great comforter, but he doesn't give us comfort so we can live a comfortable life. He gives us comfort so we can live a courageous and obedient life in him. And so today, I don't want to give you chicken noodle soup for the soul, but instead I want to talk about how to have courage for your soul. Okay, one of our mission statements here at City First Church is we exist to introduce everyone to Jesus and teach them to follow him. And what I've learned after following Jesus for two and a half plus decades is that following Jesus will require courage. When we're following Jesus, he is going to ask you to live in a way that sometimes doesn't even seem to make sense. He's going to ask you to walk in his peace even though chaos is storming around you. He's going to ask you to give and to be generous and maybe even be irrationally generous when the world says, take, 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 you just worry about you. When we're following Jesus, he's going to ask that we step into purpose, even though it might feel intimidating or against cultural trends. To follow Jesus will require courage over comfort. And what I've learned is even though comfort can be tempting, when we live in comfort, it causes complacency. But when we are willing to be courageous, it will propel us forward in our faith and the life of mission that God has for each and every one of us. And so today I wanna read a famous story from a book in the Bible, it's from the book of Numbers. And I'm gonna ask you to follow along, the words will be on the screen or else you can find in the City First app. And maybe you've heard this story before, maybe you've never heard this story before, but no matter where you're at, I'm gonna ask that as we open up God's word and we read it today, that we would approach it with faith, with reverence, with expectation, believing that these words were not written for somebody else, but God wants to use these words to speak to our lives today. So let me pray, and then we're going to jump in. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Bible. God, we thank you that it is relevant to our lives today. And God, I pray that your words would speak to each and every heart and mind. God, I pray that our spirits would be open to receive what you have for us. I pray that you would help me to get out of the way so you can have your way today. And in your name we pray, amen. All right, Numbers chapter 13. Now the Lord said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and he sent out 12 men. Moses gave the men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. Go north through the Negev into the hill country, see what the land is like, and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of the crops you see. So they went up and they explored the land. When they came to the valley of Eshel, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. They also brought back samples of pomegranates and figs. 
After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. This is what their report to Moses was. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is a kind of fruit that it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Geb, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other, man who had, the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. The Bible is not boring. It's so full of amazing stories and truth. And what we just read is in the very first verse of this chapter, we read what the Lord says to Moses. He commands them to go and explore the land that he wants to give to the Israelites. Now, the Israelites are God's chosen people. Remember, he rescued them out of slavery from Pharaoh, been leading them through the wilderness. And now he says, I want to give you this promised land. I will give it to you. It's a promise. But here's the thing, there was a process to get to the promise. There was a process to get to the promise, and the process to get to the promise would require the Israelites' participation. God is saying, I will do my part, but you also have to do your part. And we know that participation is going to require courage. And so today I want to talk about the courage equation. In order to live with courage, what is required of us? Well, the first element in the courage equation is perspective. Perspective. See, Moses sends 12 spies out on this mission to explore the land and then to bring back their scouting report. So all 12 spies, they get out their backpacks, they pack their snacks, They lace up their Nikes, they fill up their hydro flask, and they all head out on one mission, the same mission. All 12 spies go to the same location. All 12 spies take the same path. All 12 spies observe the exact same place. All 12 spies assess the exact same situation. But all 12 spies did not see the same thing. They come back with two different reports. The 10 spies had a report, and then the other two, Caleb and Joshua, had a separate report. See, the 10 spies come back, and this is a report that they give to the people. They say, yes, God sent us out to explore this land, the promised land, and it is beautiful. It is flowing with milk and honey. And yes, God told us that we could have it, but there are giants there. We know God said to go, but their cities are fortified and their people are strong and they are powerful. 
We are like grasshoppers compared to them. They're going to devour anyone who goes there. And here's the thing. If you grew up hearing this Bible story, maybe the 10 spies have always gotten a bad rap, right? Like they don't have any faith. Well, here's the thing about these 10 spies when they're giving their report. These 10 spies, they're not lying. They're not fabricating a negative report. They are simply reporting what they actually saw. They came back and they said, these are the facts. According to what we can see with our physical eyes, things do not look good. Things did not seem to be in their favor. There were obstacles all around the promised land. And maybe right now you find yourself in a situation and the facts that you can see are not in your favor. According to what you can see, there are some obstacles or opposition ahead of you and around you and surrounding you. According to what you can see, there is a sickness or a diagnosis. Maybe finances are a mess right now or there's some trouble at work or with your business or business partner. Maybe there's something going on with your kid that's making you lose sleep at night. Maybe that relationship is strained or you feel like your marriage is hanging on by a thread. Maybe the future seems unknown or God is asking you to do something but you simply can't see how it's going to work out. But how many of you know that we don't place our trust in the so-called facts of this world? We don't live according to what we can see here on this earth. What do we live by? 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. But we can get so focused in on the practical, and I can get so focused in on what I can see with my physical eyes. And sometimes when we're so focused in on the facts and on the physical and the practical, we can miss out on the supernatural. There may be obstacles, but God is greater than any obstacle. There may be opposition, but God is greater than whatever is opposing you. There may be difficulties, but there is nothing that our God cannot do. There is no one that our God cannot heal. There is nothing that our God cannot turn around. We serve the God of the impossible, but our perspective matters and our participation matters. So all the spies shared one experience, but they responded in two different ways. And that tells us today that we may not always be able to choose the situation that we find ourselves in, but we can choose how we respond to that situation. In this story that we're reading, the same, there was the same situation, but two different responses. There's Caleb and Joshua, and then there's the 10 spies. Caleb and Joshua chose to see the situation through eyes of faith when the 10 spies saw through eyes of fear. Caleb and Joshua were willing to place their trust in God when the 10 spies were full of doubt. Caleb and Joshua were willing to be obedient to do and to go what God was leading them to do. But the 10 spies were full of complaining. Did you see those people? They're huge. We can't win against them. There's no way we can survive. They're going to devour us. Caleb and Joshua were full of courage. And the 10 spies were full of convincing. 
trying to convince themselves and all the people, all the Israelites, that God's way is not the only way, that God's way isn't the best way. They're trying to convince and rationalize what God was asking them to do. And so we have to remember that we can't just take things at face value. But as Christ followers, we have to see things with a faith value. we got to have faith. And so the second part of the courage equation is faith. When we are facing difficult times, we must remember that faith is the way forward. We can't give up faith. We can't give up hope. Maybe some of you have been looking at a situation one way for a long time. And like the 10 spies, all you can see is the problem, the opposition, the facts that are not in your favor. My prayer today is that you would begin to gain a new perspective a God perspective, and that you would also get your faith back. That the spirit of Caleb and Joshua would stir something up in you, that you would begin to have faith and hope again. Because here's what I know to be true. If the enemy cannot take you out, he at least wants to wear you down so that your faith is diminished. And as I was praying for you all throughout this week, I kept feeling the Holy Spirit nudge me and say, for some of you, today is a day for you to take your faith back. To let it stir up inside of you again. To remember that there are real ramifications when we lose hope and we lose faith. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Maybe you've been feeling down and out and heavy laden. And maybe your heart has felt sick because you've been putting off hope and you've been putting off faith. But I want to remind us today that you can get your faith back. That you can get your hope back. In Jesus' name. So when we lose hope, we lose perspective on, God, on who God is and what he can do. When we lose hope, we lose perspective on who God is and what he can do. So how do we have courage to have faith again today? I love what Romans 10, 17 says. It says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. If you need hope, I want to encourage you to get to know the promises of God to read the promises of God and not just read them in your Bible to yourself, but read them out loud so that you can hear the promises of God because as you do that, it will begin to build your faith. Begin to say the promises of God out loud to yourself, to your family, to anybody who will listen. Begin to speak God's promises. Simply, Joshua 1.9, we remind ourselves that God is always with me. Psalm 33, 4, God is faithful. Ephesians 2, 10, God designed me on purpose and for a purpose. Romans 8, 38, God loves me deeply and no matter what. Psalm 16, 11, God gives me joy. Isaiah 41, 10, God will strengthen me. James 1, 5, God gives me wisdom. Hebrews 10, 23, God can be trusted. These are God's promises to you. And these are God's promises to me. And we need to begin to read them and speak them because faith comes by hearing and hearing 
from the word of God. I love what Hebrews 10.23 says. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. May our words spread faith like Caleb and Joshua instead of negativity like the ten spies. And here's what we all know, right? Negativity comes very naturally. We just kind of have a gravitational pull towards negativity. There might be a hundred great things that happen in a day, but what's the one thing you find yourself talking about? The one negative thing that happened. And so because there is a gravitational pull towards negativity, we're going to have to be very intentional to believe faith and to speak with faith and to speak positive things and to hang on to our faith. You know, um, I was reading about negativity, and there was a statistic that said children hear 432 negative comments or words every single day. This isn't just their thoughts. These are what they hear, 432 negative comments or words per day versus the 32 positive ones. And so let's be leaders in speaking life and speaking faith and spreading that to everyone around us. The world needs more hope and encouragement. And this is a third part of the courage equation. So we've talked about perspective. We've talked about faith. The third one is urgency. Urgency. I want you to catch some of Caleb's words here. What he said in verse 30. His words are full of faith. And he wants to respond quickly to what God is asking him to do. You see... Caleb and Joshua knew what God wanted them to do, and then he says, let's go at once. This is the verse that it says in verse 30. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. He says, let's go at once. God asked them to go into the promised land. God asked them to go, and Caleb's response is, yes, Lord, not only will we go, but we will go immediately. They knew what God asked them to do, And then they said, let's go at once. I have a question for you today. What is God asking you to do? What has he been asking you to do? Maybe on repeat, and it's kind of been drowned out by all of the things of life, the busyness of schedule, our own stubbornness. What is God asking you to do? What has he been asking you to do? Maybe it's to forgive that person. Maybe it's as simple as to join a life group or it's your time to lead a life group. Maybe it's to start serving. For some of you, maybe it's to being open to foster care. Maybe God has been nudging you to spend more time with him, pray more. Maybe he's been nudging you to stop that late night habit. Or he's been prompting you it's time to end that toxic relationship. Or maybe you've been feeling led to become a generosity rock star. Maybe you felt like you are needing to apologize to that person or invite that person to church. I don't know what it is, but oftentimes when God is asking us to do something, it requires courage to do these things. But here's why I think Caleb and Joshua said, we know what we're supposed to do, now let's go at once. Because they knew that the longer that we delay, the longer we sit in our comfort zone, The longer we contemplate, the longer we try to convince ourselves that God's way isn't the only way, here's what happens when we're sitting and we are waiting. Faith is not growing in our waiting. Fear is growing in our waiting. 
Those giants, they look even bigger. Those hurdles, they seem even higher. All of the reasons why we cannot begin to multiply. And so they say, let's go at once. We don't want to be taken out by fear as we camp out in our comfort zone. We want to have an urgency to the obedience that God is asking us to go forward. And I think that those words that we read in Numbers are also words for us today as well. Let's respond with obedience and not put off what God is asking us to do because on the other side of obedience could be the promised land. And as we wrap up, the last element to our courage equation. So we've talked about perspective and faith and urgency. And the last thing that we want to remember today is that God is with us. God is with us. Caleb and Joshua understood this. They say, they say this in Numbers chapter 14. We're going to just jump one chapter forward. And they say to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us, so don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid because the Lord is with us. Today, I want to encourage you, church, don't be afraid because God is with you. You can trust him. You can trust him right now and whatever God is asking you to do, you don't have to do it alone. Not only will God give you the courage, but he also gives you the gift of his presence. How incredible is that? You know, he gives us the gift of his presence. This past week, uh, we had some family in town. A couple of my nephews were here. They're around the age of 10, and it was just the three big boys that came, no parents. They were coming to Rockford to have a party with their aunt and uncle. Uncle Adam, Auntie Lala is what they call me because they couldn't say Lisa when they were little, and it's just stuck. So they were like, there's no parents. It's just us. We're going to have so much fun. And so we took them to all the major attractions here in Rockford, so many. We ended up at the water park. We were having a great time at the water park. And we walk in, and if you've ever been to the water park here, you know there's those two really big slides. I actually have a photo of the boys and the, and the slides, those two really tall slides. So we get in there, and they right away are like, we're going down those water slides. And they're like talking trash. We're going down those water slides. We're not scared of those. So we do everything at the water park, and it's getting ready to close, and they haven't done the slides yet. And they're like, okay, this is our time. So me and Adam are at the bottom, and we're like, we're going to take a video of you guys going down the water slide. So we're down there, and it takes a while to walk all the way up there. They get to the very top, and we see them make it to the top, but they're not coming down the water slide. But they're not coming down the stairs either. So we're just waiting. After a couple minutes, me and Adam are like, okay, well, let's go up there and check out the situation. So we get up there, and they're like, we're so scared to go down this water slide. This is so high. I was like, yeah, yes, it is. And they're like, I was like, well, do you want to leave? And they're like, no, we want to do it. 
but we're so scared to do it. I mean, my nephew is like in tears. And I'm like, you don't have to go. He's like, ah, but I want to. And so then they look at me and Adam and they go, well, if you go, then we'll go. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I've got my sunglasses, my sandals. I can't go. And the lifeguard jumps in. She's like, no, actually, you can. You can hold them as you go down the slide. I was like, thanks for nothing, lady. They're like, we're so scared, but if you go, well, the lifeguard also then goes, I know they're saying that, but if you go, they probably won't really go. I sit here all day long. I see it happen every single day. So I'm like, if I go, will you go? And they're like, yeah, if you go, I'll go. So then I look at Adam, and I was like, if you go, I'll go. <laughs> so Adam and I <laughs> are like, okay, if we go down, you guys have to go down. They're like, we'll do it. We'll do it. Still crying, but not giving in. So I'm like, it is kind of scary. It's really tall up, and it's like this thin plastic slide. So I was like, I can't overthink it. We just got to do it. So I get my sunglasses and my sandals. I hold them, and Adam and I go down these stupid big water slides. And we get to the bottom, and then sure enough, one after another, all the nephews come down, and that's like their victory pose. They were so excited that they crushed the water slide. They did a great job. I will let them know you cheered for them. They'll feel even more excited. But later on, like the next day, I was thinking, it's so funny because they were so terrified to go. And we got up there, and we really didn't do anything to help them get down the slides. But as soon as we got up to the top, it was just our presence that gave them the courage to do what they were scared to do. And so many times we feel like God might be asking us to do something, whatever that is. And we think we have to do it by ourselves. But I want to remind us today just how Caleb and Joshua said, God is with us so we don't have to be afraid. God is with you right now in the middle of whatever is troubling you. God is with you right now as you are battling through cancer. God is with you right now as you are working out your marriage. God is with you right now as you are willing to be obedient to him in your finances. God is with you right now as you're pursuing the dream that he's put on your heart. You don't have to go in your own strength. You don't have to go just by mustering up the guts to do it. But the God of the universe is with you. And that should give us courage to do what God is asking us to do, knowing that we can trust him fully with whatever it is that we're facing. And so we're gonna end today, and don't stand yet, but in just a moment, I'm gonna invite everyone to stand to their feet, and I wanna pray over you. But this is what I felt the Holy Spirit say to me about this ending, that when we respond by standing at the end, that made this physical response solidify or represent the spiritual response that God is asking you to do. I think there's four different ways that people can respond today. Maybe you're going, I need a new perspective. I've been more in the 10 spies camp than the Caleb and Joshua camp. I need a new perspective. Maybe for you, you've lost your faith in that situation or about this thing. You've stopped believing that healing can be yours or that family or whatever it is. And today you're saying, it's time to get my faith back. I got my faith back on Sunday, and then on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, you'll find me declaring the promises of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. 
Maybe for some of you, there's an urgency. God has been asking you to do something and you've been putting it off or even being disobedient. And today you're saying, today is when I choose obedience. I'm going to leave here on this Sunday and I'm going to be different than when I came in. You're going to be responsive with an urgency. And the last thing is for some of you, you seem to remember, God is with you. You're going through it right now, but God is with you. You can have hope in the middle of heaviness because God is with you. You can face that challenging, challenging situation because you're not alone. God is with you. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask us all to stand. And as you do that, I want to encourage you to make this a moment between you and God. When you stand, what are you saying yes to? Faith, perspective, urgency, or just a reminder, God's with me. So on the count of three, let's all stand to our feet. Let's make it a personal moment. Here we go in one, two, three. Would you go ahead and stand and make this a commitment between you and God? Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every one of my friends who stood today. God, I believe all throughout this room and online and in different locations, God, that as we respond, it wasn't just a passive standing to our feet, but it was a forward motion, God, an affirmation physically of what you're doing spiritually that today you would give people a new perspective, that today people would get their faith back and be committed to declaring faith and believing and having that be their guide. And Father, we thank you that for some, they're responding with an urgency, saying, I'm, not, I'm gonna stop putting off what you've asked me to do, but today I choose obedience. And for others, God, we thank you that today they're saying that they can move forward because they're not moving forward alone, but you are with them. Thank you, God, for what you've done. God, we seal all of this in your name, and we ask that this wouldn't just be another Sunday, but we would leave differently today. And with every head bowed and eye closed, if you're with us and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to make him the leader and the forgiver of your life. This isn't you joining a church. It's not about religion. But if we're going to live this courageous life and receive all that God has for us, it all starts with a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so with no one else looking around except for me, if you say, today I want to choose to follow Jesus, would you go ahead and slip up your hand? You're just saying, that I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, died in my sins. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see another hand. Absolutely amazing. Hands going up all over the place in the room and also online. You can go ahead and put your hands down. And if everybody would repeat this prayer after me so that no one's saying it alone. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, that he forgives my sins and gives me a new start. Today I choose to follow him. And in your name we pray. Everybody said amen, amen. Can we give everybody who prayed that prayer a round of applause?